This is the Ruminant Podcast. I'm Jordan Marr. The Ruminant.ca is a website dedicated to sharing good ideas for farmers and gardeners. At the Ruminant, you can find past episodes of this podcast, essays I've written, a few book reviews, and a whole lot of photo-based blog posts, some of which were made by me and some of which were submitted by you. So I hope you'll check it out, theruminant.ca. And if you want to get a hold of me, editor at theruminant.ca or at ruminantblog on Twitter. Okay, let's do this show. Hey everybody. So it's probably pretty important to let you know that the bulk of this episode focuses on one attachment for a walk-behind tractor, which means that if you're not a market gardener, you're probably not going to be all that interested in this. But if you are a market gardener, and especially if you're a market gardener who owns or might own a rotary plow in the future, this could be pretty useful for you. I've got two conversations for this topic. The first with Scott Humphreys, who has been collaborating a little bit with me on the Ruminant podcast. We both own a Berta rotary plow, and so we sat down just to talk through some of the challenges that, that come along with owning this very, very good tool. After that features a snippet of a conversation with a listener, David, who let me know that he had a few things to say about rotary plows too, and I was so glad that I got a hold of him because... He had a lot of great stuff to say. So that's the bulk of the episode, although at the end, I finally got another installment of Ruminant Do's and Don'ts. And this week, we're going to feature a don't. So if you want to hear about like a pretty spectacular failure on my farm, then you should either sit through this first interview or just skip ahead to the end of the, of the episode. Okay, so just before we get to these two conversations about rotary plows, I want to remind you that I'm always interested in your submissions. So here's a question for you. What's the best decision you made for your farm this year? I would love to know, and I bet other listeners would as well. Text me, 250-767-6636, if you wouldn't mind me getting a hold of you so we could record a short conversation. Okay, so here's the first conversation with Scott Humphreys. Scott, you own a Berta rotary plow for your walking tractor, is that right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I own a Berta rotary plow for my walking tractor, a.k.a. walk-behind tractor. Uh, and I love mine. How do you feel about yours? Uh, yeah, I, I had... Uh, this is the, the first year that we'd uh, used it, and what had happened was in the fall, I didn't... Um, I didn't know if I was going to have the finances to get one. Um, so what I ended up doing was for the plot is I ended up uh, rototilling the whole plot with uh, with like a six-foot rototiller. And then essentially I measured out the beds and hand dug them. And I, I got it down to a bit of a science, but it was still taking me like 45 minutes a bed to do. So it was a lot of hard digging and uh, a lot of work. 
so then then in the uh, then in the winter I did find like a great deal on a BCS and so I picked that up and got a rotary plow and I was able to do what took me 45 minutes I could do it in about five yeah right so it was an incredible kind of revelation with that. Um, now, now the issue that I've been kind of having with this, and, and part of it was because I had already dug the beds, I was kind of re-raising uh, the beds, but um, I've got a smaller BCS. I've got a 732, so it's like the smaller of the professional models, and I wanted to um, try and work on the 30-inch beds because I feel like that's a good bed size. It seems like a standard size that most people use, but um, I, I don't know whether it's a weight issue or something like that, but I, 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 I've been having a kind of a difficult time keeping very consistent, like, 30-inch beds. Um, because I had already partially dug it, it felt like, like the tires were kind of slipping or anything like that, and I did kind of make a bit of a, a guide that, that runs off the back, uh, the back guide of the rotary plow to, to measure out the bed uh, appropriately, but I, I still wasn't kind of getting, getting uh, where I wanted to go. So... You know, I know we had kind of chatted about it, but I was I was kind of curious about you know what you're doing or what other what other farmers are doing to kind of maintain uh, those kind of bed widths appropriately. Man, I found it just took, and this is true of so much of the equipment I've invested in. It just took a lot of use to get to get it down to where I kind of can do it exactly how I want to do it now. Um, I, so I, I'll get into some more details in a second. I know that's a very useless answer. Although I think it's worth saying because, um, especially with this expensive equipment, these expensive attachments, I think, I think I could see people cause it's almost happened to me getting like, um, just freaking out. You buy one of these attachments and then you realize it's kind of hard to use or it's not working quite right. And then you're like, wow, I just spent two or three grand on this thing. I can say that for my rotary plow. I can say that for my, my, um, Rinaldi power harrow which yeah. took a long time for me to really figure out how to use in my soil on my farm. But now I freaking love that power harrow. But for a long time, I was like, wow, I just wasted. I'm going to sell this thing. I just wasted two grand or 2,500 or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, again, that's not a great answer. Um, okay. Sorry. But so, so when you, you, you came at it in the spring with your new machine with the bird rotary plow. Okay. Yeah. And you've got, um, you've got 30 inch beds already prepped. So they've, 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 they've shrunk down again, but you've got a raised bed garden. And, yeah. uh, so, okay. 30 inch beds. What are your centers from, from center bed to center of bed? 48. 48. Okay. It's exact same as mine. And I think the exact same that a lot of people, um, kind of following this sort of market gardener, you know, John Martin Fortier approach you're doing. Um, so 18 inch pathways then, uh, okay. So explain again, then what was your challenge? You went and you wanted to essentially raise up the beds a bit more and you just couldn't get the spacing quite right or where to put the wheels of the tractor, that sort of thing. Yeah. I couldn't get, I couldn't quite get the, the spacing right. And, and like, you know, when you're kind of going through and like shoveling it and like measuring it out, you're trying to be as, as accurate as possible. Um, and so that was fine, but I, I just, I guess I found like when, um, even when I was cutting new beds or kind of going back through old beds, it seemed like the 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 front end of the the uh, tractor was kind of like you know partially sliding off the bed or you know because the, the soil is um, like a clay loam but in other places it's slightly sandy and other places it's slightly heavier so the the tractor would kind of maybe like slide down the bank a little bit and then I'd try and correct it you know um, I have like a four row pinpoint seeder and Elliot Coleman talks about getting like 
12 in there on a 30 inch bed, but I, I can't get that many. Like I can't, so I'm losing, you know, potential production space on, on either side of the bed. Cause I'm not like, cause my beds are kind of fluctuating between, you know, 25 inches to, to 28 to maybe as wide as like 30 in, in places. And we tried to correct a little bit of that with the bed prep rate, but I just, yeah, just like, you know, just trying to keep things like straight and consistent and trying to like, you know, save work if anyone kind of, or if you have any like kind of. Okay. So I don't have, I don't see, I'm going to disappoint you. I don't have a hack because what I found is I think that what you've described, those challenges are really normal when you are, when you're using, when you're using the rotary plow in that way. Um, because you don't have a lot of space to deal with. I, to me, because because the thing is, I used to do what you were doing. I used to not have the power harrow. So my bed prep, the the final kind of major work I did was was um, exactly what you're doing: tossing the soil up with the rotary plow to kind of raise the bed up, and then moving over to a exactly 30 inch wide uh, prep rake. It, it was a 36 inch rake that I sawed down to 30 inches. No. Right, yeah. so that I knew exactly that that was the width, and then I would, you know, that's how I would smooth the bed out and get my rough width. But in my experience, especially because I'm on a slope, I just I couldn't. My beds just weren't meticulous and and perfect. Every single one, thirty inches exactly wide. So, um, for me, because I'm a sloppy farmer, that was fine. But um, what I so so that's where and <laughs> this is this is an annoying. Uh, you know, piece of advice. But when I got the, 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 uh, power harrow that truly gives you a uniform bed when you use that thing, it's incredible, right? It's just so heavy and so well designed that it, um, it just, you, you pull that over once you've done exactly what you're doing, which is raise the soil up. It, it, you then pull that over and, um, you just have this perfectly level, perfectly, you know, whatever 30 inch wide bed, um, now that's another big investment. And I should also note that when you, when you hill up a bed with the rotary plow and it's too hilly, the, the, the power harrow is going to have a real hard time. So what I mean is let's say you pile the soil up and it's when you pile it up, it kind of tosses it up. So it's more of like a big crest, like at the top, it's only about 18 inches wide. In other words, it needs to be then raked out or, or power harrowed out. Um, it's, it, the power is going to have a real hard time getting on top of that. Like it's going to get, it's going to get hung up on that crest. Does that make any sense? Yeah. 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 No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay. This is a tough one. I don't, but my only advice is to keep, just keep playing around with it. Um, but, but, and also to reassure you that the exact, I've had the exact same challenges. So you're not, yeah. you know, you're not doing anything wrong. I think, um, uh, with 18 inch pathways, there's not a lot of room for error. Essentially, I guess that's what I would say. Um, and yeah. there's lots of times when I'm also, cause essentially when you're healing up a bed, are you, so I, I imagine you're, you're going to be, are you, well, whatever, let's say you're to the left of the bed as you're going down the bed. Um, yeah. what the right wheels up on the bed sort of, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. So it's just easy to slide off. I, I mean, it just, it just slides off. Sometimes you just can't help it. You're wrestling with the thing and it, as the machine's moving and the, 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 um, and the, 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 the plow is working. It's just, you kind of can't keep the machine on the bed. It's a hard machine to wrestle with. So, um, yeah, that's a tricky one. Yeah. And, and sorry, just kind of as a side note, like what, um, how deep are you, how deep are you going? Like, do you typically go with the rotary plow? Yeah, I go, um, for the most part, I go, 
uh, fairly deep. Another note is that I took a long time ago, I took the little side hood off that blocks the soil. Like, you know, so the rotary, um, the rotary plow tends to throw your soil to the right. And there's, there's a little hood that comes down off the side of the plow to like for that, for that thrown soil to hit it. So then it hits it and drops straight down. I just took that off ages ago. I don't use it at all. Um, because yeah. I find the soil doesn't get thrown very far, even without it on. Um, depth wise. Yeah. I usually go medium to deep, I guess is what I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cause I, cause I, I know about taking the, the hood off. Cause I, I'd use the, I'd kind of, cause mine came with a hood, but then also like a, a guard that kind of just goes around it, you know, just to prevent someone from like walking into the plow or something. Um, which, you know, I think that's the one, I think that's the one you're supposed to be using for making uh, raised beds. Yeah. But I've essentially attached like a piece of, uh, bent, uh, like step in fence posts that have kind of, uh, clipped to the back to try and like measure out the, the bed. I'll send you, I'll send you a photo of it, but I think I might try and do that on the front of the tractor too, just to get, try and get like really consistent rather than, you know, like you, I'm, I'm like you, cause you've admitted this. I'm not saying this about your farming. Um, I'm also kind of a bit of a, a sloppy farmer or like kind of in, in that sense. So I was just like, you know, with with the bar on the back, and in, in particular that I've measured out, it's like okay, I know that I'm like, you know, but in the ballpark. In the ballpark, the right yeah. Size, you know. Well, that's so. what we can say then, because it sounds better. We're ballpark farmers. <laughs> so let's just establish there. There are two types of burner rotary plows. The cheaper one only tosses soil to the right, and then you can get one that switches direction so that you can flip a switch and it'll either toss soil to the left or to the right. I have the cheaper one. Sounds like you do Yeah, too. I do as well. Right. So you're always tossing soil to the right. So in that case, you're in a given plot. To me, in my experience, there's only room to go down the, 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 the pathway, basically, and have the plow hitting the pathway, you know, and, 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 and carving up half the pathway. So if you're, yeah. you're going to toss soil on the right-hand bed, you're going to car- carve up the right-hand half of the pathway toss that soil on and then come right back and now you're tossing the other half of the pathway up onto the bed hey folks it's jordan just kind of cutting in here so that was my main conversation with scott i think i might have another segment with him at the end of uh of this overall segment on rotary plows but an awesome thing that happened is uh sometime after i recorded that with scott i mentioned to you the listeners that that i was making this segment on rotary plows and invited people to let me know if they had anything to say and i got a text message from david a listener out in eastern canada and uh well he wanted to talk rotary plows so now we're gonna cut into that conversation so my name is david mazer goulet and uh, i'm a market gardener I started the beatbox uh, two years ago at an incubator farm in Lange Gardien. So, what did you what did you want to tell me? All right. So, the first year I got the rotary plow, we did it a very time consuming way of like marking out beds with string and then making this line in it and trying to follow the line with the BCS, and uh, that just took way too much time. So this year I was alone. So I thought about it a little bit, and what I did is I took uh, had a 200 feet, uh, 200 foot measuring tape, and uh, I would go on one end of the field. I would uh, then I would have flagging like little flags. So every 16 feet, I would put a flag in, and keep going all the way down, till I got to the edge of the field. Then I would go to the other side of the field, do the same thing, measure every 16 feet. I would put a flag down. So that means between each flag, I would have four beds on the. Uh, those 48 inch sensors 
Okay. Um, yeah. So after that, I can go with uh, I could go to each flag and make start making the beds there. And I found with the 853, the BCS 853, if you aim for the gas cap, it's pretty much that's your center. So if I aim for like the gas cap to the flag, and I just keep try to keep that as straight as possible while, while I'm going down, making shaping the bed with the rotary plow, I got a pretty straight line, and it was dead on to where I wanted it to be. Okay, that's awesome. So let me just yeah. let me just make sure though that I understand and that everyone else can understand. When you're aiming the gas cap of the BCS 853 at the flag, is the flag in that case representing the center of the bed or the edge of the bed? It would be the center of the alley. The center of the alley. So really going center to center. Right. Okay. So then if others wanted to do a version of what you're doing, you're, you're suggesting if they're using flags or markers to make that, that flag the center of the pathway. And if you aim the gas cap at the center, then where you know you're going to throw soil onto the bed in in the right area. Yeah. So like I, my rotary plow is just the, the fixed one, so it throws the soil on the right side. Yeah. So if if I aim that gas cap, then I'm getting an eight inch or eight to ten inch path to the right of that flag, and then I spin around, I do 180, and when I come back the other way, it's getting, and then I don't need to aim anything because the wheel will just sit in that uh, divot because I have the axle extensions. So then I don't need to worry about it. And then I just let the machine do the other side kind of automatically. So I don't need to like okay. maybe manhandle it a little bit if it's hitting rocks and stuff. But. Okay. So uh, some follow-up questions. Are you using, have you ta- have you removed the little kind of s- hood that comes off the side of the rotary plow that kind of blocks the soil from being thrown too far? Is that still on or have you removed it? I have removed it. Okay. I've removed it too. Uh, yeah. And then so just so I can elaborate on what you just said, what you're suggesting is, okay, so you've you've aimed your gas cap down the line towards the flag and that's thrown the soil to the right. And as you say, that, that gives you kind of the right uh, projection to get the soil in the right place for the bed. Then you're just turning 180 degrees, coming back in the same pathway you just came. The left wheel of the machine is going to be in the divot, you just, in the trough you just created, the right yep. wheel will be up on the rest of the pathway that didn't get touched by the rotary plow. And that creates the perfect uh, line to go back on to throw soil on the bed right beside it. That's it. Your gas cap point is novel. I didn't notice that myself. And I'm gonna, I can't wait to, to see how that works out. I didn't create a point on my machine every, that yeah. way. And every machine, every, yeah, every machine will be different, but you have to find that point. And that's just a matter of like looking down at where the plow is because the plow is kind of on an angle a little bit. It's not necessarily in the center, like where the PTO comes out. So you have to just find, depending on your machine, where that point is. And you can experiment and change the point and just to see how it works. But for the A53, definitely. And with the Honda, the 13 horse gas engine. It's the gas cap. Right. And see, you and I have the exact same machine. I have the 853. Okay. I have uh, I have the axle extensions. So this is going to work the same way for me in terms of using that gas cap. Now, just a couple more questions. So uh, I, I just need to finish this thought. So sure. when using the flags, I would say if you get two color flags or three color flags, then you can flag every four feet. And these flags are what, like 10 cents a piece or less even. And you can flag every four feet on your each side of your beds and you won't get confused with the colors. Because if you flag every four feet with an orange flag, all you're going to see is orange and you won't be able to aim, especially 100 feet, you won't be able to aim to the right one. Totally agree. It's so easy to get So I would change that. Next time I would get like four colors, 
and every four feet just put a different color and uh i think that would save a lot of time so and in that case you would still be doing it in the pathways like each pathway is the center of the pathway see what's so interesting david is that i've done essentially the same thing except i've always used the center of the bed the difference being as a result that i can't i couldn't use your gas cap trick i just kind of have to you know, with experience, I start to learn exactly where to, how, how far to the left or right to, to place the machine yeah, exactly. to toss the soil yeah. so that that flag is the center of the bed. But your way sounds better. I, I, it's so, that's what's so interesting. Having this conversation, I've done it almost the same way, but not quite. And now I'm going to try that. And yeah. as an aside, sure. a great place to get flags are, is an irrigation store. Uh, like a proper irrigation supplier has great little irrigation flags of different colors or super cheap. And, um, yeah. It, you know, yeah, I get ours at uh, Dubois Innovation Quebec. Yeah. And, uh, so usually there's always some kind of irrig- irrigation order in the spring. So I just get those thrown on there. Right on. Um, what about yeah. depth? How deep are you setting your plow normally when you're, when you're doing this? I'm going uh, the third notch from the bottom. The, let's say first from the bottom, that's the deepest setting that your the plow will go digging. Okay. So I just go a couple notches. So the wheel actually does roll because i could go potentially go deeper but then you're hitting rocks and you're causing these crazy hard pans because i'm on clay soil and um and the bed's going to be massive right then you have this just big heaping pile and even the third from the bottom might be a little bit deep uh, i find sometimes because then it just makes the then the, the bed's quite high and when i go to run either the rotiller or i have to rake it out you know, it makes like this really uh, rounded shape, whereas I'm looking for the flat shape. Yeah, no, that's really important too, I found, especially if you're then going to follow up with uh, another common attachment, the power harrow, which is a wonderful yeah. attachment. But when you create a really high bed of soil that's then that you then need to flatten out, the power harrow will not work, I find. It's okay. just it can't get yeah. over that hump. So uh, right. that, that's an important point. Um, so... How is, oh, what, what gear, what gear do you use generally when you're rotary plowing? Uh, either the first or second, and it depends on the soil condition. Okay. So if, uh, because I'm, I have one field where it's mixed, where I have a nice loam, so I can go and no, like virtually no rocks. I could go second gear, uh, where there's a lot of rocks and it's a bit heavier and I want to make sure I don't get thrown off. Like the machine doesn't go, um, off track too much. Then I'll go first gear and just take my time. Great. Yeah. I, I've, it's been the same experience for me. It does depend on the conditions in my soil. I, yeah. I don't have any clay. And so I generally can go in gear two, which I really appreciate because, um, gear one is slow. <laughs> it takes a long it's time to, to get work done. Uh, so one thing I was, when I was thinking about this, uh, like thinking in my head of like all the steps because I did in the spring, so it's been a few months since I've made beds and what I would recommend for some people too, is like, so my work boots are, I measure them to 12 inches. So I can, when, when I, my, my flies are 16 feet apart, I can, if I want to double check where the next bed is going to be, I can just walk, you know, toe to heel at four feet and that's where my bed's going to oh, be. Oh, beautiful. I, yeah. I think, I think tricks like that are so important. I mean, I always, I figure out, inter- my bed lengths are 50 feet. Um, yeah. And so I figure out how many strides is 50 and how many strides is therefore half a bed and a quarter of a bed. And that comes in handy so much. You oh, know, yeah. It's it a huge time and, and I find, too, it doesn't take long to get pretty accurate with strides where, where I can really within, 
six inches, I can get, you know, I can figure out, okay, I want to plant this half bed right till there and be pretty accurate. Um, One more question, David. We have the exact same walking tractor, the BCS 853. Um, It's a big purchase. It's a scary purchase for a new farmer because it's a lot of money. Um, What attachments did you originally buy? That's question A. And B is, do you have any regrets? Is there anything you do differently in terms of the package that you bought? Well, actually, I did not purchase the um, the tractor itself that I'm renting. It's part of the incubator farm program. However, they only had the rototiller attachment. So the in the spring 2014, when we started, we're doing it by hand. But we were just two, and we realized if we really wanted to meet our production goals, the machine would really save us time. So I sprung for the machine, and just it's amazing how much time it saves. Like you can do all your beds in two days instead of two weeks. Or more and um, that I did not regret however I found the BCS to be like or the farming with the BCS I found it to be quite uh, physically intensive mm-hmm. um, I find like maybe it's just my soil or something but it's like I'm always manhandling the machine quite a bit so you need to have a strong back and like it takes a lot out of you after a couple hours of preparing beds and stuff I find that you're you're pretty worn out um, and that being said, because I'm renting it, it was a great opportunity to try the machine and moving forward, I'm actually no longer going to be BCS farming. I'm going to be springing for a four wheel tractor, probably on five foot centers and, uh, kind of going on a bigger, a little bit bigger scale. Um, you know what? I'm so glad you made that point, David, because, uh, right now there's this, you know, huge, um, huge surge in, in small scale veggie farming and it's in, and part of Part of like partly responsible is is um, the Market Gardener by JM Fortier, and yeah. and um, and so there's I think it's easy for everyone to assume that the way they've got to do it is on the four foot centers, and using yeah. a walk behind tractor, and there's a lot to be said for it. That's how I farm. That's how you have been farming, um, yeah. but I don't think people should necessarily reject the concept of of a four wheel tractor, especially because you can get models that are still quite small. You know, they're not massive. Yeah. Um, no, you get the, you could get a Kubota, you get a four foot centers if you want. There's plenty of those old diesel Kubotas with like 23 horse and can run a rototiller and, you know, and, they won't run a disc or anything, but there are, and those are, you can sometimes find them less like used, of course, they're less expensive than a new BCF. Yeah. And look, I just going back to your point, the point you made, you're absolutely right. People have to be prepared that using these walking tractors, if you're talking about a half or one or two acre market garden, which is kind of the scale you're using these tractors on. Um, you're doing a lot of work with that machine and it is physically demanding, especially I find, and I'm a big guy. I'm about as almost as big as a farmer gets. I'm six, three, I weigh 220 oh, wow. pounds and I, I have trouble too. It'll get you in good shape, but it's, yeah. it's hard on the body. Um, especially, I don't know if you've used the power harrow, but it is so heavy. Um, but on that note, I don't, I want to know if you figured something out, which is that when you need to transport, this doesn't help you when, so, okay. So, you know, a BCS 853 tractor, you can use it with yeah. the power takeoff shaft, which is the shaft that drives the attachments. You can use that yeah. in on the rear, which is generally used for soil working attachments, like a tiller or power harrow or, or rotary plow, or you can use that shaft on the front, uh, generally for stuff like snow blowing or mowing. Um, but what I found is it's to, to switch the steering column around so that, you know, it, it takes what, like 30 seconds or less to, to very quickly yeah. 
transform the VCS from front power takeoff mode to rear power takeoff mode. Um, so it really is worth it. I find when I need to put the machine back or just move it around the farm, quickly throw it into front uh, PTO mode so that now mm-hmm. when I'm driving forward, my my tiller or my rotary plow is on the front of the machine, not being used, just moving it. But all of a yeah. sudden you've got great counterbalance uh, and you don't smart. you don't kill yourself. Um, so I found that like, I really, I should say, I really only do that with the power hero, but it has saved my body because that power hero yeah. is unbelievably heavy. I have the Rinaldi. I usually just adjust the, the handlebars in a way that like, I'm like, my arms are not like in this awkward halfway point, but they're fully extended up or whatever or down. So that way, at least I'm not like forcing my arms, but yeah, that's a great point. Cause oh, I, man. I, yeah. I had to walk it, uh, like maybe half a kilometer sometimes in my field last year and that was just brutal i always well and the other the other great thing about it is it it means that i'm sure you've experienced when you're walking with the rotary plow there's not a lot of room for your feet because it's now now you can you can move the angle of the handlebars and that helps a bit but when you throw that rotary plow on the front of the machine and walk with it on the front all of a sudden you've got tons of room for your legs to move and take bigger strides and then you've and then you've got the um the you know you've got way better weight distribution with that with that tool on the front so yeah I, I, it's um essentially you've got a you've got a fulcrum on one side the engine and on the other side when you're when you have the attachment on the front you've got the the attachment so they just balance themselves and all you have to do is yeah. kind of walk beside it so yeah. you not use uh, the wheel like you don't just put the wheel down or you, you don't feel like oh it's worth the time? see there's the difference between that's a good question so so just for listeners the rotary plow has a transport wheel so you drop this arm down and it has a transport wheel see to me that's the difference i would i would sooner switch the pto around the steering column around because that takes yeah. really quick i find when um my machine is in use um I find the the arm gets gummed up with dirt and it just it's finicky. Yeah. It's it you know instead of taking true, yeah. fifteen to thirty seconds, it takes thirty seconds to a minute. So I'd sooner just turn it around and do it that way. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, David, I'm so glad. Look, everyone listening, this is an example of. Um, I think you can t- tell me if I'm wrong, David, but you must have heard me reference this topic in a podcast, and you 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 texted me to let me know you had yep. something to say. And this, I'm trying to get other listeners to do this. Um, if, if, if I mention something I'm working on, or if you just have an idea, uh, just some, some, some piece of advice you want to share, please text me, 250-767-6636. Uh, this is exactly what uh, David did. And uh, it took us about a week to get together, but now I'm talking to him and he's shared some really great stuff. So David, thank you so much. Well, thank you for the great podcast. And I'm always trying to... Uh preach uh preach to other people to listen to it uh i think we need to support some more canadian based uh podcast hey this is jordan cutting in again so scott and i are going to spend about the next eight minutes talking some more about rotary plows so if you're really into that keep listening if you're not if you're getting a little tired of rotary plow talk i would jump ahead about eight minutes and somewhere around there there's just one more segment to the show it's another installment of ruminant do's and don'ts Okay, here we go. Me and Scott. So, Scott, how important is it to you that you maintain, you know, 18-inch pathways as opposed to pathways that shrink down to more like, let's say, as low as 12 inches? Just just because, you know, so so let's say because of your your row seater you mentioned and you really want to get four pa- or three passes with it in a bed, if your pathways end up shrinking uh, as because you go to make sure your beds are 30 inches wide or whatever... Does that matter a great deal to you? 
Uh, no, it doesn't. I mean, I think it, I think it gets it gets a little bit tricky with uh, like um, bar- like burying row cover or uh, kind of dealing with that. If you've got like two beds that are adjacent that you're using row cover for, I don't have any wider stuff. I just have uh, seven foot wide sheets. So. Yeah. Like I think that's where I'd where I would run into problems. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I you know, and then trying to weed around that kind of makes it difficult. I, I re- like I do have to say, like based on like, you know, even my own flexibility and like the size of my feet and this kind of stuff. That eighteen inch pathways is much more preferable to me than twelve. I have done twelve uh, when I was doing urban farming, and I just sounded a bit too tight. Like I felt like I was always standing on the side of the bed when I was kind of, uh, Oh yeah. I, I feel the same way. All I'm getting at is, I mean, I, I, I want to, you know, personally I'm going to stick with, I mean, I mean, measure out your garden for 18 inch, but I find that inevitably, yeah. you know, what's to me, what's most important is the width of the bed once it's finally prepped. And so, um, yeah. if that means if, because you haven't perfectly measured out your garden, I find for me, sometimes it means that the bed bleeds out a little bit into the pathway or to put it another way to make sure I get my 30 inches of planting width, my bed sometimes end up being 34, 36 inches wide or whatever, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, yeah. and that's worked for me. I should add to like, just something interesting I tried this year. So first of all, I don't use any row cover at all. And, um, and that's because I hate it and because I don't have really bad insect pressure here. And, mm. um, I hate it so much that even the gains made just for season extension, I just don't do it. I, I hate using it. So, um, that means I don't have to d- deal with, you know, burying it, which is, which is another consideration when you're setting up your spacing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I just, I needed to say that so you can imagine my garden. So I've got the same spacing as you. Um, so I've got those 18 inch pathways when things are done correctly and neatly, um, heading into this year, I spent an extra roughly 900 or a thousand bucks on a, uh, a standalone Husqvarna tiller that you can get at like a, you know, a typical machinery dealership. Yeah. And, um, uh, the reason I was attracted to it is it, it it's, it's, t- it's 14 inches wide. Uh, so, so it's a little, and it's more powerful. So it's not anywhere near as high quality and powerful as a BCS tiller, but it's way narrower and it is more, it is more powerful and higher quality than like a mantis or, you know, a really dinky narrow little tiller. And so the the whole idea was, okay, 14 inches plus the hood, which extends it out a little more. Uh, that's going to be awesome for ripping up and down those 18 inch pathways to keep them clear of weeds. Um, because I have very rocky soil. So like, um, I love, I love a wheel hoe with a big blade on it, but they, they, my, 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 the rocks just destroy that stuff in my garden. So regardless, maybe I know a lot of people just don't like using wheel hoes. It is a, I've learned it's, it's a, it it worked out pretty well. Even at, even at 14 inches, once you factor in that your beds bleed out a bit and that, you know, yada, yada, yada is very narrow. Sometimes I'm really coming close to affecting the crop that's right on the edge of the bed, but in a lot of cases, it was really handy to rip that thing up and down the beds to keep weeds down in the pathways. So I just thought I'd mention that because it, it was very handy. I would, uh, given that it also just means I have another tiller for other situations around the farm that's night narrow, which sometimes is a good thing. It wasn't a bad investment. I don't regret that thousand bucks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the same sort of rocky soil, and we yeah. did <clears throat> mid season. We did kind of pony up and get a get a wheel hoe just because like you know, 
uh, stirrup hoeing the top six is just shitty, stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just like the amount of time you can save in in even like you know one round of of clearing pathways in your entire field is is almost enough to pay for it in labor. Like it's well worth the well worth the investment on it. But but again, I don't have the same sort of like rocky soil in the same sort of yeah. way. I mean, I have big rocks that will make make appearances like you know 500 pound stones that will kind of just push out but not uh not anything uh not, not nothing too rocky yeah well look let's try and um let's kind of bring this back out broaden this out a bit because i mean clearly i wasn't able to share anything with you that's really going to help solve your challenges uh keeping things orderly and and using the the power Sorry, the the, uh, the 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 rotary plow effectively, but just in general, do you are you glad you have that attachment so far? Like, are you is there do you have any regret about spending the money on it? No, 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 not definitely, definitely not. I mean, you can say you can say that the same thing for a, a lot of pieces of equipment that that you you purchase, but it is like one of those things, especially because this was our first season farming. And it's like you know because I spent. So much money on the rotary plow then i didn't have money for allocated for other things and so you're like it's you know it it would be great to have like you know having a, a more money going in than, than we did um but uh, you know it was just being able to do an entire but like all i've got six blocks in the field and they're like essentially 10 beds and being able to do like you know a block of beds in in like an hour and a half or something like that is just like I mean that would that was that would have taken me ten hours of labor. Right. No. I, I I know it's 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 been a revelation for me as well in terms of the the efficiencies gained. I love my rotary plow. Um, I find and also it, just in the fact that it like in the spring you don't have a lot of time. Like that's the whole thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, totally. It, it would have been it would have been in, insane to try and and you know do all those raised beds by hand and then try and find time to like plant and do other things and like start seeds and all that kind of crap like. It's just just a huge time saver for yeah. For no, I I found the same thing. So cool, man. Well, um, before we wrap up, I I just think it's a handy time to also introduce you as someone who's uh, maybe gonna collaborate a bit on the on the ruminant. Uh, you you know you were you 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 you've been in touch with me a number of times. This is your second time kind of recording for the podcast. And uh, we've been we've been doing some uh, having some other conversations about some some ideas for the podcast and um, that and those ideas overlap. So we're going to try working together a bit. So uh, everybody, this is Scott Humphreys. He's, he might do a little bit of collaboration with me, at least for the next little while. Thank you very much, Jordan. Sometimes your new farming ideas take your business to the next level. And sometimes they put the whole thing in jeopardy. This is ruminant do's and don'ts. Today is most definitely a don't, folks. Don't try to use a forced air heater to warm your hoop house in the cold months. So here's the thing. One consequential quirk of my farm is that my lease runs year to year, which means I don't have the kind of predictability of tenure here that would make me comfortable building some of the serious infrastructure that could be really helpful for my business. You know, like a permanent, massive, double-walled hoop house heated with a propane furnace for keeping my seedlings nice and warm during the winter months. That would be a dream. What I have instead is a single-walled polytunnel, 25 feet by 40 feet, about 10 feet high. 
not much help during the negative 20 Celsius cold snaps we get every year on the farm. So two years ago, I had this bright idea. Inside my polytunnel, I built a second smaller tunnel, 12 feet wide by 18 feet long by about seven feet high. And inside of that, I decided to put a forced air heater. Do you know what I'm talking about? You can buy them at hardware stores. I'm simplifying, but picture an 18 inch long aluminum cylinder, about eight inches in diameter, that sits on a stand at an angle of about 30 degrees. It's essentially a cannon that you supply with propane, and when the temperature drops below your thermostat setting, that baby fires up and shoots a flame about a foot out past the edge of the cylinder. This causes the surrounding air to heat up, like, really fast. If you really want to know what I'm talking about, head to theruminant.ca and find the page for this podcast episode. I've got a video up there. Forced air heaters are typically used at winter construction sites and stuff like that. And it's said right on the box, in multiple places actually, that they shouldn't be used in enclosed spaces like, for example, a greenhouse. The problem is that they can produce carbon monoxide, which can build up and, you know, kill you. But I figured I wouldn't be in there much, and with the venting that would happen when I opened the door... Anyway, I set the thing up and turned it on, and nearly wept for joy when I saw how quickly the heater brought the temperature up to a perfect 18 Celsius. I was less happy when I realized the flame was shooting out too close to the wall of the tunnel and severely melted both the poly and the PVC hoop that was nearby. But that was a minor detail. I repositioned the heater and went to bed pretty proud of myself for my greenhouse farm hack. The pride didn't last very long. The next morning, I developed a headache after being in the greenhouse for just a few minutes. Doubt crept in, but I beat it back with denial. It was just a coincidence. Maybe I was just dehydrated. I wasn't dehydrated. The next morning, the same thing happened, and I was forced to conclude that, in the interest of producing happy tomato plants, I was subjecting myself to mild carbon monoxide poisoning. I returned the heater, and my plants returned to barely hanging on at 4 degrees Celsius. (laughs) All right. So that's another episode of The Ruminant in the bag. I hope you enjoyed it, folks. So, as usual, before I go, I want to encourage you to get a hold of me if you think you have something you want to share on the podcast. It can be any useful piece of advice that you have for other farmers, but if you'd like me to focus your efforts, what was the best decision that you made on your farm this year? I'd really like to know, and I bet you other listeners would too. I've already had one submission come in from Dan Brisbois, and we're going to hear that soon enough. But uh, I'd like to hear from some more of you. So what went really well this year? Get a hold of me, 250-767-6636 if you want to text me, and then I'll get a hold of you and we'll do a recording. Another option is just record an audio file right on your smartphone and then just text it to me. Or you can try calling my Skype number, and that's 310-734-8426. There, you'll get a voicemail and you can just record something or invite me to call you or whatever you want to do. But I would really love to hear from you. Thanks, folks. Talk to you soon. Because why would we live in a place that don't want us? a place that is trying to bleed us dry 
We could be happy with life in the country With salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands I've been doing a lot of thinking Some real soul searching And here's my final resolve I don't need a big old house or some fancy car To keep my love going strong so we'll run right out into the wilds and braces We'll keep close quarters with gentle faces And live next door to the birds and the bees And live life like it was meant to be